Good evening. We bid you welcome and invite you to taste the pod of Dracula. I am one of your hosts, Russell, and I am joined by my co-host, Josh Link. How are you, Josh? Yes, I'm doing great. More importantly, how are uh, you doing? A big change happened since last week. That is true. Uh, I uh, I uh, got married since the last episode. Um, I actually, like, uh, we recorded the first episode in advance and it released on October 1st. Well, I got married the day before on the 30th of September. Uh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much. Um, I will not be taking on two more like Dracula. I, I'll, I'll keep it at the <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> but thank you. Uh, uh, yes. Um, well, as always, I should tell you why you're here in case uh, this is the first time you're listening. Don't know why you'd start here. Start with the first one. But uh, we are, as far as we know, the only Dracula discussion podcast, and we're covering all of Dracula media from the book, which was the last episode, uh, movies, TV, comic books, you name it, we're covering it. Um, This season on Taste the Pod the Dracula, we are going in a somewhat chronological order although we are going to deviate from that slightly today and base basically yeah. season one is what i would call like the uh, the early years the golden age of dracula if you will um so last time we talked about the original bram stoker novel today we have three things to talk about and um it's pretty exciting because they're each a different media. Um, yeah. Well, how have you been, Josh? Uh, did you uh, get any feedback for our first episode? Yeah, I, I heard some some positive things. Mm-hmm. People seem to like it. Uh, I had one person say they didn't really know anything about Dracula, uh, and they were pretty engrossed with it. So uh, happy about it. That's People awesome. Like it. I. I you know, you never expect the people that don't know anything to listen, but uh, I'm glad um, that we are able to bridge that gap, make a fan out of somebody. Um, but yeah, I've heard a lot of good things. Uh, people seem to like it. Um, uh, people were giving us mad props for giving Lucy her due in the last episode. Um uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we also received a very nice uh, email from someone you're familiar with, uh, Josh. Um, Oh, no. Yes. Steph Stewart Stewart sent us a lovely email. I'm going to read that for you here. Loved the first episode. The only thing missing is a recipe to add a real taste. I mocked one up. I mocked one up real quick. Feel free to use or ignore entirely. Cheers to Drac. And it is a recipe for I never drink wine wine. Um, <laughs> listeners, uh, if you want to make this drink, uh, we have not, or at least I have not tried it yet. Um, 
No, not you yet. are going to need one ounce of Chambord or raspberry brandy, one ounce of red wine, three-fourth ounce of fresh lemon juice, one-fourth ounce of simple syrup, one-fourth ounce of grenadine, and an optional half ounce of sparkling wine. Add ingredients into the shaker over ice, shake until cool, pour into glass over ice, and top with sparkling wine. All right. Well, thank you, Steph. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much. We have a lot to talk about today. Um, like I said, we've got three things to talk about. Um, first up is a <laughs> a deleted chapter from Dracula. Uh, written by Bram Stoker, released posthumously by Florence Stoker, who was hurting for some money. Um, this mm -hmm. is called Dracula's Guest, and it was released in 1914 in a collection called Dracula's Guest and Other Weird Stories. Um, so, Josh, this, uh, this is kind of a strange... A uh, little tale here. Um, it's like I had never heard of this until mm -hmm. you told me about it. So this, thanks for turning me on to this. I never would have read Definitely. it. Definitely, um, it is a. It's like an alternate take of uh, Dracula. Um, it is not epistolary. No, but um, so, like I said, the backstory. It's, it was released by Florence Stoker well after Bram had died. She was hurting for some money. So she I guess she just dug up, oh, this is that chapter. Uh, this was in the original manuscript or whatever. Let's just throw that out. And uh, oddly enough, Universal would later buy the rights to this and... Uh, in the credits for Dracula's daughter, it says based on Dracula's guest, it has nothing to do with that <laughs> at all. Um, in fact, Dracula's daughter is more closely aligned with Carmilla than it is Dracula. Uh, but That's it's bad. really bizarre. Um, so, I don't know if they ever say him by name, but we assume this is Jonathan Harker. Yeah, it's, he's just referred to as an Englishman, I believe. I don't think they ever give him a name at any point in the story, but if you've read Dracula, it's pretty obvious that this is mm -hmm. Jonathan Harker. And he's making his way to uh, Dracula's abode, although uh, he doesn't say that. Um, he just says he has an, an appointment and he needs to get there. Um, you get the classic, the villagers being like, no, 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 you mustn't go there. <laughs> um, although this, uh, they, they say that it's Walpurgis night. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. Um, so... There's a lot of, like, just back and forth between Harker and, like, his driver. Where Harker is like, I want to go down that road. And the guy's like, no. Bad things happen down that road. <laughs> and finally, like, 
the horses uh, get too scared and they kind of drive away with the carriage and Harker goes down that road and finds an abandoned village and a cemetery. Yeah, it it's a, it's a pretty mm-hmm. creepy setup. Uh, gotta give him a lot of credit here. This is a very, very different than how Dracula starts. So yeah, it, it, it's very. interesting. It's interesting. Um, he finds like a tomb and there's a lady in there and we're not quite sure if she's undead or she's just hanging out. And then of course a big wolf shows up and obviously the wolf has him pinned down and he's describes that he, that he's like coming in and out of consciousness this wolf is holding him down and licking his throat, but but not biting yeah. him. Um, but then these uh these kind of like a militia shows up and scares away the wolf. Um, and uh, I got to admit, I this this little twist here at the end, I I thought was pretty great. Um, Harker's like, well, how did you know where to find me? There's no way the driver could have convinced you to come all this way just for me. And uh, the the leader of the little militia is like, well, actually, we received a letter from your client. And it says, please make sure (laughs) that this Englishman comes to my house unharmed. Signed, Count Dracula. Uh, And that's the only mention of him. And it's right at the end. Uh, yeah. So Dracula himself does not appear in this. Um, no. But it is a very. It's like I said. It's it's like you said. It's very interesting. This kind of alternate take on Harker's journey. He doesn't eat the paprika chicken. He doesn't. Uh, no. no. <laughs> doesn't get the cross from the old lady and all that and the. There are uh, similar things like um, uh, they mentioned that there's a like a suicide graveyard or a grave, which kind of comes up in the Stoker novel with those blue lanterns and the wolves and all that. But Josh, what did you make of this? I I liked it. uh, The the section that i thought was the most effective is just when he's mm-hmm. kind of wandering through that village that village, and he sees what i mean if you've read dracula you assume this is a vampire mm-hmm. that he stumbles upon this woman uh i don't know if you had read this completely divorced of dracula if you would get that uh it just kind kind of comes across as like a mm-hmm. surreal almost dreamlike right. experience uh in with the wolf encounter, which is we also like right. to believe is a vampire, but yeah, it, it's uh, I think it works really well as a self contained mm-hmm. short story. Um, but I think if this had been part of the novel, it would be completely superfluous and not really serving yeah. anything. It was rightfully deleted, it, yeah, yeah, it was the right move. Uh, the whole like carriage ride. Uh, that he has in Dracula with Dracula driving the coach is like one of the best chapters in the mm-hmm. book. I love that chapter. So this kind of undermines that and undercuts it a little bit. If you right. add this in. So 
to me, it, it works much better as a short story and not as definitely. Part of Dracula. I almost wish that this, uh, like, oh, you, I'd like to think this isn't Harker and this is like some other pool, poor fool who's been, you know, manipulated by Dracula, but, uh, and we can assume that the wolf is not Dracula because why would Dracula send the military after himself? Uh, yeah, that part actually kind of confused me because at, when it's happening, you're like, right. well, this is obviously Dracula. This is one of the moves, right? Turn into a wolf. Yeah, it's one of his things. Uh, and then yeah, obviously those people show up and scare it away. And yeah, they've got the letter from Dracula. So it's like, well, then who was this? <laughs> vampire turning into a wolf and attacking him in the first place because yeah it's very strange I'm could not sure be the lady be. from the tomb oh. i suppose um although in stoker's novel uh dracula himself is the only one shown to transform uh lucy right. nor the brides transform into bats or wolves or anything so I don't know. Dracula must right. be a, a step above the rest, or he's just had a lot of time to practice. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting at first. I was like, "Oh God, is this just going to be him arguing with this this driver for like a, a story?" But no, it got really creepy when he's um, visiting the village, and it, he was all by himself, and it was very eerie. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, uh, one thing it kind of reminded me of, have you ever ever read uh, Jerusalem's Lot, the short story prequel mm. to Salem's Lot from not. Stephen King? It is very similar in terms of structure and, you know, exploring like an abandoned village and creepy things happening. I, I, after reading this, that was one of the first things I thought of was, did Stephen King also read this and try to do his own version, this little prequel mm -hmm. story? Uh feels very yeah. similar um well I, I assume i know the answer here but you didn't read any of the other short stories in here okay i didn't i didn't i, I, didn't, I, That's I, I, yeah, I didn't either um i didn't feel the need to um maybe someday we have discussed doing uh other bram stoker things as like bonus episodes so maybe we'll come back to that um but as far as ratings go, um, I'm going to give this one fang because I thought it was fine for what it is, but like you said, rightfully deleted, so it doesn't get the full two fangs from me. Yeah, I, I'm actually doing the same. If if this had been just a short story with a you know, definitive ending, it may have gotten two, but uh, as it stands, I, I would just mm -hmm. give it one fang. Well, we can move on to our uh, next topic, which I think I'm the most excited to talk about. Uh, um, so, listeners, in 1921, in Hungary, ironic to where our most legendary Dracula would hail from that very country. Um, yes. I often wonder if he saw this movie, but I think he was already in the States by that point, so... Um, yeah. there was a movie released. In fact, it was the first movie ever to feature Dracula. Um, it is now lost and it is called Dracula's Death. 
Eh. I'm glad you didn't try to do the Hungarian no. name. It is. It is usually. Um, <laughs> it's like Dracula spelled with a K, um, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had always I had heard about this movie um, on the Universal Monsters uh, box sets for Dracula. They had a documentary, and it brought this up. And this cover art, which you can't listeners can't see, but that poster I've seen before. Uh, yeah, it is. Poster. It's great. Um, a very demonic looking Dracula. Um, mm-hmm. like the devil. Yeah. But yeah, this is a lost film. But thankfully, a couple years after it was released, uh, there was a novelization produced. Uh, who we don't really know who wrote it, according to the uh, foreword in this book. It's also extremely thin. It's like 40 pages. Um, there's an essay in the back talking about the history of it, too. So it kind of makes up for being so short. But, um, And thankfully, this novelization has survived. Uh, so we know what happens. And oh boy, <laughs> it's so weird. Um, yeah, we should probably say that this is not an adaptation oh. of Dracula. This is a story that happens to contain a character. Named kind Dracula. of. <laughs> um, Very different circumstances so, here. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just going to take you listeners through this bizarre tale. You know, this is the Dracula that needs a remake. We need a modern remake yes. of this. All right. So there is a young woman named Mary Land. Not Maryland, but Mary Land. And uh, she comes from a wealthy family, but her mother suddenly dies. And it kind of sends her father over the deep end he gets put into a sanitarium and she has to begin taking care of herself. Um, she does have a fiance. Um, they're, they're getting by. Um, but the, uh, the doctors at the sanitarium send word that, Oh, your dad's not doing so good. He's, 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 he's probably going to die soon. And it, they also imply that they're going to be the one that kills him. <laughs> They're putting him down <laughs> like a dog. Um, but so she's like, okay, I have to go. Um, I have to go and say goodbye to my dad. Well, she does. And they have this like final meeting. Although it's never like said if he dies or not, at least in this novelization. And then for some reason, the head doctor is like, why don't you meet some of the patients here? They would probably enjoy that. And there's a guy uh, who she says looks exactly like her old music teacher. And uh, the doctor's like, well, he doesn't really talk to anybody, so maybe you should try talking to him. And she's like, "Uh, hello, do you remember me? I I am Dracula, the immortal! (laughs) Okay. Uh, So this guy is dressed like Dracula, he talks as if he's Dracula, and he just keeps saying, I'm Dracula the Immortal, over and over. Yeah, your typical Indeed. conversation. Um, 
Meanwhile, uh, these two other patients like to pretend to be doctors. And uh, Mary doesn't know that they're pretend doctors. And they say, oh, you need an examination. And they start looking at her eyeball and it's like, oh, my goodness, you need emergency surgery. And they strap her down to a table and try to cut her eyes out. And at the last minute, the head doctor's like, no, get away from her. And instead of sending this poor girl home, the doctor's like, no, you you can't be on the road tonight. You're too stressed out. You've got to stay the night here. So that night, Dracula enters her bedroom and whisks her away to his castle, where he doesn't have three brides. He's got 12. And she's going to be the 13th. Thankfully, through the power of prayer and the power of the crucifix, she's able to escape to a nearby village. Uh, They nurse her back to health, but Dracula continues to try to uh, get to her. And then she wakes up back in the mental asylum. It was all a dream. At least that part was a dream. And here we go. The end is also the best part of the whole thing. Uh, So she gets up the next day and the patients are out in the courtyard and Dracula's in front of all the patients shouting about how he's Dracula and he's the immortal. And one of the patients has stolen a gun. And Dracula's like, shoot me. I will prove I am Dracula, the immortal. Well, the guy shoots him right in the heart and he falls over dead. He's he's dead. Uh, and that that's it. That's the story. Yeah, maybe, maybe not a great idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Me. So, oh my God, Josh, this is incredible. Uh, <laughs> uh, I kind of feel like the person that made this movie saw the cabinet of the I was like, I like the, uh, mm-hmm. the asylum stuff. I'm going to make a about that and then also dracula <laughs> it's so funny uh it does kind of have a of caligari vibe to it um but um yeah. what'd you think i mean it's it's so it's hard to really say because we couldn't see what it looked mm-hmm. like as a film uh, you know who knows how accurate the novelization is um all we all really have are those like still mm-hmm. photos so it's really tough to know how good this might have been the story is just <laughs> bonkers enough to keep you in <laughs> attention throughout but yeah what a weird weird tangentially related to dracula film the novelization is. has the tagline the silver screen's first dracula and i guess that's partially true yeah. um i guess you could argue that the dream uh, is actually Dracula. That is him. Yeah, yeah. But I, it's in a dream. <laughs> yeah. The rest, yeah. Yeah, we'll, the rest we'll is just you. some crazy guy dressed as Dracula. Um. Yeah. What a what a wild ride that was. I, I have to give it two fangs just for being absurd. Uh, yeah. See, I'm going to give it one. 
it's I, the one is because it's absurd. Uh, <laughs> that's how it gets the one thing. It's it's too too strange to not get some sort of recognition. But I, I again, who knows how well it translated to the silver screen? But well, what, what, one right. thing for me. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, like you said, there's just a few surviving photos, and they're really weird too. Kind of, you know grainy and can't really see what's happening but i'm glad this exists i just can't believe it it does on one hand and this debuted an entire year before nosferatu Uh, yeah yeah but nosferatu has survived um well, if we, we've got one more thing to talk about, and we're actually jumping ahead in the timeline because next episode we're doing a whole episode on Nosferatu. So we're we're skipping yes. a little bit ahead in the twenties, and um, we're talking about the stage play. Now, I actually so the stage play is very interesting. Because it's yeah. from 1924 is when it was originally uh, debuted. Uh, Florence Stoker was involved with this. Uh, it was uh, written uh, by the playwright Hamilton Dean and then revised a few years later by John L. Balderston. But. Yes. Who also mm, did the Frankenstein. Yes. Play. He adopted someone else's play, I should say, exactly like this, where someone else wrote the original play, then he came in, adjusted it, and then that's what got adapted into the film. This guy, it's kind of like the middleman. This is the first authorized adaptation of Stoker's novel. Um, Obviously, plays much bigger deal back in the early 20s and 30s i mean plays are still around obviously the stage is uh, quite prominent i mean look at hamilton but uh obviously much bigger deal back in these days and <laughs> i had always thought that Basically, the play is just the universal movie. It's not nope. at all. <laughs> it is not. I, I, I thought the exact same thing, because I always think of Lugosi, like, oh, you know, he, he did the stage play, and then they use him in the universal movie, and obviously they just took the play and turned it nope. into a movie. Right. So not it basically all. takes one, oh, well, retroactively, if you've seen the Logosi movie, there's one scene, and that's stretched into an hour and a half play, pretty much. Okay, so yeah. basically this is what you would call a drawing room mystery, and a lot of the tropes that we are... Uh, that we would become accustomed to from the universal version come from this, but um, very different than the book. So uh, we are, I mean, I saw a, um, a production of this on YouTube. Um, 
Yeah, I watched that as well. You mm-hmm. sent that over to me. So that was, I, I watched that and then read a PDF. And yeah. So, man. Do you want to kind of explain this? Because uh, it's 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 basically so so I the the PDF version I read and then the one I watched on YouTube there were some differences. Um, it's whether it's Lucy or Mina mm-hmm. who is the one who's in trouble and being you know looked after. Uh, I think in the original it's Mina, and then in the later version it's Lucy. But I may may have flip flopped it. But either way, um, basically she's she's it's going through the the period where Dracula has mm. been feeding on her and waking her, and so Jonathan Harker and Arthur, who in this version is the father, not a uh, yeah scooter, are trying to figure out what's happening to her and to get her, you know, back on her feet. Uh, they basically cut out all of the yep. Transylvania stuff and all of the like hmm. third act yep. as well. And it's just, it's just the section where they're trying to figure out yep. what's going on with her. So it, which is bizarre that of all the, the chapters you would adapt, that's the one yeah. that they went with. But a lot of things are introduced for this like you said um um i think that this is our first instance of combining characters because arthur is combined with dr seward and they're lucy or mina's dad rather than a love interest um this is the first time where like oh we know dracula he's our neighbor we don't know right away he's a vampire um, like you said, all the Transylvania stuff is just referenced. It doesn't happen. Um, also like we, like Lucy or Mina, whichever one is already dead, um, at this point. And this also introduces a lot of the comic relief that you get in the universal version. Um, the, uh, yeah the sanitarium kind of uh, groundskeeper and the maid. And there's a lot of humor in this play. Yeah. A lot of yeah. it comes from Renfield. Renfield is also, we are seeing like the, the seeds of the Dwight Fry version of Renfield here. Now I will say that uh, Lugosi was not, uh, didn't start, he wasn't the first stage Dracula. He came later. Um, there was a few actually, but I, yeah, I, it's so basically the story is they're, they're trying to figure out what is going on with, with Lucy or Mina. I'm not going to do that every time. I promise. I'm, d- I'm just going to call her Mina <laughs> from now on because that's who it's supposed to be. Um, and uh harker and uh the father call van helsing it's uh funny the version i watched van helsing was played by a woman yeah 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 that was the the one i thought I that was interesting well, yeah. um van helsing is slowly trying to figure out much like in the book like what's going on with this girl why does she keep losing blood and dracula shows up from time to time and he's like oh 
I hope my stories didn't frighten you and all this. And uh, the play actually has some really cool like effects for being a play. Um, there's they kind of somehow get Dracula to teleport into these rooms uh, without you know trap doors or anything. I'm sure like a part of the set opens or something, but it's it's yeah, pretty clever. Um, yeah, it looks cool. So if you've seen the scene in the Universal Dracula where um, Harker and Van Helsing and Seward and Mina are all in their like living room and Dracula shows up, this is the whole thing. Um, yeah. I thought it was fascinating, especially seeing where all this stuff comes from. Obviously, I the universal right. version I've seen so many times, so I pretty much know it by heart. And a lot of the dialogue is the same. Of course, there's also dialogue from the novel. But I thought it was a really interesting take. It was a interesting way to adapt this story on a budget because you can't do Transylvania on the on the stage uh, it's just I guess it's not believable <laughs> yeah I, man I would like yeah. to see him try though man that's the mm -hmm. best part of the novel is the, you know that whole act in Transylvania that's where all the creepy stuff happens to what the stage all the most famous things we know about dracula really come from that and uh to not have any of it in the play was yeah. a shock to me i um i enjoyed it i thought it was like i said it was an interesting take um obviously a lot of stuff left out um and I'm going to like try to talk about the play only and not the version I watched because uh, that's not necessarily what we're talking about. Um, I just needed like a visual, <laughs> but yeah, it, it kind of, uh, how do I put this? Um, it, it doesn't have enough of the novel in it. Um, uh, and the universal version just does it better. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm going to give this one thing. I, I might like one and a half fangs because again, I I'm trying to think of this through the limitations of stage play. Um, I one thing. <laughs> Yes. Um, what do you what do you think? Yeah, I'm also gonna give this one thing. Um, I thought it was fine. It's fine. Uh, I'll probably never mm. watch it again. The only time I'll watch it again is uh, if I can see it live. Yeah, yeah, that that for sure. But yeah, I'm not gonna watch it on YouTube mm. or anything anymore. It, once was enough. Right. I never read it again. Um, again, it's just it. It chops out so much of the good stuff that it's, you know, I can't give it two, but it did give us Lugosi, so it gets at least one. <laughs> That's <laughs> just, true. Just for that, but um, the stuff that they do adapt, mm. they adapt well. It, it's effective, but yeah, it's 
I can imagine that that would have been a scary experience to some uh, people in the crowd, but also there's lots of laughs to be had. Um, I I can see why it would be popular. For sure. And uh, now, uh, are you curious about the Frankenstein play? Have you seen that or read that or? I have not. Um, I, I, I've read about it. I've never actually read the play. Um, I did learn that a lot of the things that are in the movie are from the play. For example, uh, he's mm-hmm. named Henry Frankenstein uh, in the movie instead of Victor. I, I just assumed that was a universal thing, but turns out the play did yeah. first. Um, basically a lot of the stuff um, that we associate with Frankenstein and pop culture comes from the play because that's what right. Universal adapted. So you kind of like that, you know, no talking from the monster, ah. for example. <laughs> exactly. Ah. A lot of that. Uh, that's, that's basically, yeah. Uh, it's basically the Universal movies, what I understand. Now I, now I kind of wonder, though, after seeing Dracula, that I wonder how much additional is in the Universal film right. that wasn't in the play. Yeah. But uh, I track it down one point and give it a read well um we kind of went through all those really quickly um so this is going to be a shorter episode of the show which is fine because we got some big ones planned for you for the next three but i did want to take a a moment to uh, on the subject of frankenstein who uh you know that's our uh our kindred spirit our universal brother and also josh's favorite but um (laughs) we both have been partaking in some frankenstein media uh and you're okay this is day eight so you've seen at least seven frankenstein movies at this point why don't you tell us what's been going on yeah I've watched basically all of the original universal frankensteins at this point so i did Frankenstein from 31, uh, Bride of Frankenstein from 35, uh, then Son of Frankenstein, Ghost of Frankenstein, House of Frankenstein, and House of Dracula. Uh, oh, and Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. I forgot. Um, yeah, so those are the seven. Um, I feel like uh, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein are mm-hmm. excellent. Two, two of the best movies Universal ever made. Um, for the original monsters uh sun is also really good uh ghost is good but that's the first one without Mm -hmm. karloff so points and um as much as i love lon cheney jr he's not nearly as good as the monster right karloff is Uh, then it's kind of diminishing returns from there in my opinion um the big selling point for house of frankenstein and house of dracula is that (laughs) You've got all three of the big monsters in one movie, uh, and then they basically don't yeah. interact with each other, which is just really well, disappointing. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, be talking about at least two of those on the next season of the show. Uh, yeah, I, I love Son of Frankenstein. I think Lugosi is so great in that as Igor. But also, oh, yeah. Lugosi as the monster in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman... Yeah. I don't know if you knew this, but um, so he actually had dialogue, and they cut oh, it. Oh, really? 
so he's also they're keeping in continuity he's blind but they never mention it so (laughs) this stereotype of frankenstein walking around with his arms outstretched is all because lugosi yeah you can't uh, was playing a blind Frankenstein monster without dialogue, and that's just became what it was. Yeah, and that keeps popping up in yep. all the movies after Universal. So uh-huh. yeah, it's <laughs> oh yeah, it's a it's one of those weird things that you know has become part of the pop culture, and it's it really no. should not have. <laughs> Very similar to how Igor um, doesn't show up until the yeah. third film, uh, and he's associated with it. So two two Lugosi things have become synonymous with Frankenstein mm-hmm. and pop culture. Kind of interesting, considering you know he was originally supposed to be the monster. Not enough and, dialogue. Um, up being... Yeah, uh, yeah. Just kind of funny how that worked out. Although there's a little little more to it than people remember because the original script that he was given was not the one that was ultimately filmed. Uh, and they had a different, I believe different director attached. And basically there was a, it was a completely different movie. Uh, then they brought in a, a whole new group and that's when Karloff came aboard. So maybe if they had the version that Karloff got, you know, when they offered it to the right. maybe he takes it, but we'll never know. Obviously. Well, I listened to a podcast called true crime Frankenstein. And there's there's f- four great. episodes of it, and I finished them all. And it's basically, it reimagines Frankenstein as a true crime podcast. And I loved it. Uh, some of the performances were lacking, but I just accepted it because, you know, it's an amateur production. Um, I thought it was great. I Have you listened to it yet? Not yet, not yet. I, I definitely will, though, because, yeah, mm-hmm. great, great hook. And they do some interesting things I can't wait to discuss with you about, like, how they modernize the story. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Well, I think that's going to do it. Um, you can obviously find me on uh, the Tomes of Evil podcast network, Gamma Charge. That's our Hulk podcast. Uh, and Predator and Prey. Uh, yes, that is the Predator from the movie Predator. Uh, Josh? Oh, uh, what's that? Uh, <laughs> yes. And from the movie Prey. Which is so great. <laughs> Such a great movie. Yeah. Um, Josh, when you're not uh, staking people through the heart, what are you up to? Well, you can find me on my Substack, uh, a link to the masses, which is joshlink.substack.com, talking about all kinds of nerd stuff, comic books, horror movies, novels, video games, you name it. I've probably talked about it when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, As you kind of mentioned earlier, I'm doing the uh, watching 30 horror movies in 30 days in October before a little movie marathon on the 31st uh, and the famous Frankenstein movies. So um, like I said, just, just finished the universal stuff. Now getting ready to jump into the hammer stuff, which is a lot of fun. That's some of my favorite stuff. Um, They're so much fun. 
Well, uh, I just also wanted to shout this out. If you happen to live in the uh, the Ohio, Kentucky area, October 21st at the historic Russell Theater in Maysville, Kentucky, they will be showing Dracula 1931. Uh, and it's free if you bring a non-perishable food item. Uh, so awesome. uh, I will be there. And then the very next day, I will be meeting Josh Link in person. Yeah. yeah, gonna gonna hang out yes. at uh, Horrorcon. I'm gonna find Be some fun. Dracula stuff there, hopefully. Um, Dracula stuff at a horror convention? Bah! Uh, but um, next time on Taste the Pot of Dracula, we will be discussing the immortal classic Nosferatu, A Symphony of Horror, 1922. So, until next time, listeners, remember there are such things. Good night.